these are all false beliefs that were built during the time when people just worked in the office and it was normal. But now, as the entire world works remotely, there is a new opportunity, but I think still a lot of... Hello out there and welcome to our new Ask the CEO Q&A session here to the Virtual Frontier. Today's topic of our session is all about remote staff hiring benefits in 2022. The last year has clearly shown that working remotely is possible for many professions. Now, we see that a lot of organizations are still struggling with seeing the benefits of just getting the work done, no matter where your co-workers are actually located while doing their work. Today, we are going to discover what your organization can do to really crush it in 2022, hiring remotely without boundaries. See you in just a flash on the other side. Welcome in 2022, our first episode uh, in the new year. And uh, to kick it really off uh, for, for our audience, uh, let's talk again about uh, the benefits of remote hiring in 2022 and how you can uh, possibly get the best out of it, uh, uh, expanding your, your talent pool, not just to local, um, your local region, uh, um, but yeah, make the whole world to your talent pool. Um, so my first question or uh, hint, um, maybe why, why the dream of having your local team in your office, uh, is probably over in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think it, it, it doesn't have to be over. And I think it's not a dream. It's a big opportunity to, um, have a hybrid team. You can still have your team in your office if these people like live around your office anyway but there is also the other opportunity to make as you said the entire globe or the entire world your talent pool and escape local staff shortages by just limiting yourself like 100 kilometers around your office which is what most businesses do as they are just used to working with people that are on site in the office but yeah as the staff shortages gets harder and harder every year especially in the digital world it and digital marketing i think you need to find an opportunity and there can be a new dream of having a global workforce where you find people in days instead of like months or even years mm. and what i just i just remember that or in, in visiting company web pages or from digital space marketing space whatever you you take a look It's their uh, career pages and there are sometimes like sites and sites full of uh, talent that they are looking for and it's just not moving. So I, I always like have to tend, pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, <laughs> there are solutions out there. Just go for it, right? Uh, don't wait for um, like the talent to come in maybe in six months, eight months, whatever, uh, how long it would take uh, to get a, a fight on uh, a developer or head of marketing uh, in your local office, right? So yeah, the, cost, the, co the cost of opportunity is really big. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. Look, if you are a project-based business, if you have, you have projects in your pipeline that you cannot deliver or start because you don't have the right skills at the right time at profitable prices in your team, it's an opportunity cost that you just lose this revenue. 
right? And the profit related to this revenue, this is the one thing. Or on the other side, if you know that you have to start with digital sales channels, you have to build marketing funnels to grow your business online, but you have no idea how to do that. And you don't find these people like locally. I mean, that's a funny thing, right? You want to grow your business online, but hire people locally. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an issue, I would say. Yeah, but then you, you lose the opportunity of growing your business further because this is your currently biggest bottleneck. And I think, yeah, um, as you already said, there is a solution. I think just the problem is that these people don't see it as their solution as they have more objections and see more problems related to people not being in their office than seeing the opportunity of solving the problem to get skilled talent fast. Right. And typical objections are when they are not in my office, I cannot control what they are doing, like, or other people in other countries are not reliable enough, or they need this all rounder that like is in the office and then meets with other people at the water cooler to solve really important problems accidentally. <laughs> These are all false beliefs that were built during the time when people just worked in the office and it was normal. But now, as the entire world works remotely, there is a new opportunity. But I think still a lot of people, they see it not as their opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just get the work done. So, <laughs> my, 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 my <laughs> it was that advice. easy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, maybe um, we can talk also about um, the part where we, um, you know, the parts, better say. Um, when we think about enhanced uh, productivity, um, the possibility that you can manage uh, or self-manage your work um, and also um, there's, there's a huge cost of, of, of com commuting and preparing uh, this, this conversation today. I, I, I'm not sure if you have the, uh, some, some data about it, but maybe you can share um, how the change for For your companies, um, maybe just on the cost side, um, how much money you save um, from now um, by not having like um, 100 employees or whatever um, commuting every day to the office and, and back to, uh, to home. So maybe mm -hmm. what changed there? I'm not sure if I save money by doing that, but I'm sure that I save people a lot of time. Mm. So that is, that is the most significant factor. And on the other side, I think I make more money because I have people faster with the right skills that I need to catch a new opportunity. For example, there is a new project and we require some specific skill sets that we don't have as employees. Then in the past, what we did is either like asking existing people to watch YouTube videos and educate themselves, which is not so realistic to get good quality results, or we try to outsource to other agencies or service providers, offshoring, nearshoring, etc., which often ends in poor quality and not reliable results. You can watch my TEDx talk if you want to see how you can crash a business with that. Um, so yeah, these are, these are the opportunities, I think. And it's not about saving costs because typically what, what people see when they compare the prices of having like people in other countries or freelancers or flexible workforce is just the hourly rate. But that's just one side of the medal. You also need to compare the hidden cost of opportunity that you cannot catch when you don't have the right skills at the right time in your team or 
also the cost that you have when you have people, but you don't have paid work and you cannot utilize them properly, which typically happens in a service-based business if you don't have enough projects. Yeah. Mm. How can um, I help uh, in, in a remote work environment um, others to really dive into deep focus work? <laughs> Or as a company, how, how can I ena enable that maybe? Set, set, I mean, you, you can root that deeply in your culture that people don't interrupt each other constantly, which is, by the way, much easier if you're working remotely compared to if you are working desk by desk in an office where it is so easy just to say, hey, can you help me with that? Oh, I have a question. Can you answer this question? Right. It's remotely. It's not possible. You need to be more disciplined and maybe wait like for five, six, even eight hours until you get a response. Or you just make another meeting and another meeting. And that's why people are constantly in meetings because they need this ad hoc communication instead of taking ownership over their questions, really thinking about what's my problem and then wait until there's the next either regular meeting or like Google yourself or just send a message and then wait for four hours. And I think time boxes is the tool to reserve your time and then be focused And then switch off all communication channels where other people could distract you. Switch off your mobile phone, your emails, your Slack, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, and all these message channels that are um, just bringing you interruptions to your workday. Switch them off and then stay focused doing one important thing and be happy that you do the most important thing. And that's, that's it. I would say if you want to foster this in your culture, just start doing it and be a positive example mm. so that others can follow. Yeah, that's, that's where I want to get because like you see that often and you say, okay, time boxing is good. And then you get a message from, from your team late or, uh, or from the boss and they say, Oh no, I have to uh, answer that in, in five minutes or whatever. And, uh, you just, you just interrupted yourself. <laughs> so, um, probably that's, uh, is a good thing that enabled from, from company sides and, 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 um, yeah, in the, in the company culture also. I think there is that, that must be set by, by the leaders or the managers, because very often in businesses, it is expected that you reply right now, right? You always need to be available on all channels. Whenever someone wants something from you, you need to be there. But that's, at least from my perspective, it's a very toxic culture because it just like drives people crazy, multitasking. They get stressed out. They have no deep work, which results in less brain work and less brain work results in poor quality or complex problems won't get solved. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Something that, that is mentioned in, in, in so many talks and uh, conversation is um, like the shift to remote work um, did not really help to get people together that they're really connected, uh, maybe cross team collaboration and, and, and connecting different people in different contexts. So there, there, there's a lot to say that, uh, that would be a disadvantage of remote work, but how, how could I, um, really take care of that and, um, yeah, help people in different teams that they can connect and, uh, work together in an interdisciplinary way and, and, in exchange information where, it, where it's needed. I think you may need to make these things more explicit. In an office, you just meet each other and then you have a talk if you want it or not, right? And 
you cannot escape, but you also have on the water cooler and at the toilet, you have these ad hoc communications. And this is often meant to be a link between people that is used to create relationships. And in a remote environment, you don't have that. And I'm happy that we don't have it because I remember these days back when I had an office with a corridor that was, I don't know, 20, 30 meters long. And when I entered the office, until I came to my office, which was on the other side of the, of the corridor, like the doors opened and like three to five people tried to catch me. Ah, oh, Manuel, I have a question. Do you have five minutes? Do you have five minutes? And it took me like 30 to 45 minutes to get to my working place. That, sorry, that was, that was totally stressful. I, I, I hated it. <laughs> really, I hated it. Now, today, if, if people don't book an appointment and say, let's meet, then it doesn't happen. But on the other side, it's such a, such a low barrier, technically, to just meet with people. Right? You, you, save because you save time as you don't commute to the office. So that's maybe 30 minutes to the office, 30 minutes back. It's an hour. You can use this one hour to connect with other people, either physically or online. But you have to do it explicitly. There is no accident that brings you together. And what I see often is that people don't do it. But then it can't be that important. If it was that important, they would do it. Mm. And as the barrier is not so high and they still don't do it, so it's not important for them. right? And it helps people to care for themselves. Because if they feel they need more social interaction and engagement, and they can do it, and maybe at a certain point of time, they realize, okay, maybe I really have to do it. I have to take my time to explicitly meet other people I like to meet with. And it's the same like reserving one hour in your time box to, to, to do important things and don't just react to emails because they are just there. Like the colleagues in your office that are just there and that's why you engage with them. You need to be, you need to get into the driver's seat of like your life and what you need. And this is the same for getting focused work as well as for meeting people that you like to meet. Yeah. <clears throat> um, why is it so important that uh, I involve possibly everyone in, inside my team or in the company? Um, when it comes to the improvement and, and feedback loops of the, the work conditions. So, um, that I have like a constant feedback. What, what is going around? Uh, is there anything in need of, or to improve the work environment? Is there something missing? So why I should pro probably get, uh, um, most, most possible people involved in this process? I mean, because I the work environment is for your people. It's just there that your people feel comfortable and they can be productive and, They have everything they need to get the work done and feel themselves comfortable in that, in that environment, in that culture, uh, no matter if it is physical or virtual. I think this is, this is important. And even if you, I mean, you have so many brains in your team. If you just ask one person how we can improve the environment, it's just one person with a limited view or perspective. Mm. And if you ask all others, you might have more complex answers and more options and you need to decide which option you implement but it's closer to the truth and impacts more people positively than if you just ask one person how to improve something for him or her any hints or tips how you could collect those kind of feedbacks or or and do this this whole feedback <laughs> uh, uh, looping 
Yeah, people sometimes hate me for that, but I'm not a fan of having like a meeting with everyone and talking to them, what do you like, etc. I'm a big fan of sitting down asking myself first, what do I want them to ask? Which which input do I need so that once I have this input, I can decide on what I want to implement and prioritize and I'm really clear of what they want. For example, I could easily ask someone, okay, what do you want us to improve? And as this is such an open question, they might like tell you anything and everything. And then you end up with a lot of opinions and ideas and it's so hard to digest it and create something that has a real positive impact on the team. So what I do is I really create like a questionnaire with maximum 10 questions and then I send it over to the team. And these questions are typically first a rating, like on a scale from one to 10, how happy are you with our IT infrastructure? Or on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with how people treat you in the business? Right. So they should give you a quantitative rating of how well this one thing is from their perception. And then the next question is, what do you want to see as an improvement to give us a 10? And then you get a quality and then you have the rating and you see if there are big differences in, in different parts of the business. So you see that based on the numbers and numbers don't lie, you can compare them. That's the beauty of it. You can calculate averages, etc. So you get more objectivity into that. And then you also have the qualitative um, answer where you see, okay, and what is missing? And then based on that, you can talk to people saying, look, you wrote this and this and that. I don't understand that. Can you help me understand what you mean by this and this and that? And then you can really implement improvements that make sense because you understand them. Yeah. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about uh, success in, in business. And uh, as you just mentioned before, um, things are not just happening on the floor or uh, on, on the water cooler or whatever. So um, I have to make space to um, share success, uh, give credits, uh, do appraisals, whatever. Um, how can I do that in a remote uh, or virtual environment? Because this uh, gets often lost or um, we don't spend uh, enough time or um, uh, detail to it. That's a good topic because I just created a new onboarding video for our team members um, where I created an entire chapter talking about um, a culture of positive rewards and appreciation. And I think it's important because why we are needed in our job is to solve problems. And what typically comes to our attention are problems. And the higher you are, um, on the management level, the more problems come to you while the good things don't come to you. And that could result into people just seeing problems over and over again and never having an attention for the good things. So making a part of your culture to make positive things and solutions that were found to problems transparent to others, I think this is very important on two different levels. The one level is appreciate the person that helped you create the solution or that brought a solution, or that did something positively to impact the solution. And then also share it with anyone else so that like everyone can see it. You can do this like in a company channel in Slack or Teams. That's the easiest thing. Um, so that others can, can, can see the good things that happen in business. Yeah, I think this can even help people not uh, get depressed in the long term because they only see the problems and have no idea what good, what are the good things that happen in the business. I think this is really important. No, 
don't hide the details, man. Uh, you, you did a great, great example just, uh, I think, a week ago um, when, when I woke up in the morning and started my work and I had a, a video message from you, like just two <laughs> minutes, and, and we were talking about, or you were talking better about uh, what, what we have achieved, everything like that. And uh, this was like unexpected. I didn't, didn't wait for it, whatever, but it was really a nice uh, uh, kickoff mm. for a day and, and really helped me uh, um, cool. yeah, to see, see also your perspective. Yeah, and I also got that, I got that feedback from really many people. I created over 68 video messages. I mean, for the team at Flash Hub and at Bright Solutions, and I made them all personal. I, I, there are some people I, I even don't know them, right? Because I don't work with them directly, but I looked at their contracts and what they do and ask other people what they do and so on so that I can like have something personal. And it was really great. Because I, I, I put together all the positive things and then appreciated people for what they contributed in the last year. So that was, that was really fun and it was great feedback. Some people were sending like, oh my God, that, that made my day. That's so awesome. Thank you very much. And it yeah. was a two minute message. Yeah, yeah, By the yeah. way, Daniel, that is not, not against you. For some people, I created a three minute message. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> that's, that's fine for me. <laughs> Good. But some people just a minute, <laughs> but it was yeah. just by, by accident. Yeah. No, I think the action is uh, what, what. Yeah, uh, I think it's the content, not how long, how long yeah, it takes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess it's also, uh, in the end, it's also nice for you because you get also the feedback back, you know, yeah. and, and, and people t telling you what, what, what they feel and what they have seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would appreciate if this should, if this would not come from me only, but if other people in the business see that as a positive example, as you show, uh, should show up as a leader and do the same with their teams, mm. right? It's easy to, if you have a team with five to 10 people, just either make a meeting, reward and appreciate everyone or create a personal message or whatever, just to make the good things visible. That is so, so important. Yeah. <clears throat> Why uh, working with a remote team can make your organization much more resilient uh, to external events? Um, we had just a, a big one the last two years, uh, um, um, but how, how it really can help you to build a more resilient organization in, in, in respect to have just a local organization at one place? I feel a little bit ashamed because I don't know what is resilient. <laughs> Can you Resilient, resilience. Uh, so, so building, building up a, 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 a stronger, stronger uh, environment where people are not affected that easily by external or internal events. Ah, okay. Yeah, got it. Okay. So um, I think what makes the remote culture really strong is that it's easier for people to be in the environment where they really want to be. They can be with their loved ones. They can be at home. They can travel the world. They can do whatever they want. They are not bound to a physical presence. And they are also a lot more flexible. And typically, I see that when people get more flexibility, they also contribute and react with more flexibility for the business. And if you want to be more resilient, what you need is, I think, flexibility is the number one thing to like react flexibly on internal or external circumstances, problems, obstacles, challenges, however you want to call them. Um, and this is, this is easier possible to provide in a, in a remote environment where people can work where they want, when they want, and how they want. Awesome. One last question or um, maybe some closing words, outlooks for, for 2022 that uh, you would like to see in the workspace or what you would 
encourage others to do? Yeah, I mean, just I, I say that always, right? You should just try it. And I see that very often when people send me some requests for they need a team, they need freelancers, etc. They say, okay, I need this, but I have so poor experience in the past. And what they typically then do is they say freelancers are not reliable or remote workers are not reliable or this doesn't work for me, right? But instead of like taking this one size fits all statement saying this doesn't work for me and in the end you end up with like having no alternatives because you believe nothing works for you, just try to change the perspective and ask yourself, how can I make it happen? And why wasn't I able to make it work while it works for others? And this is how you open the door for new opportunities much wider than always finding a reason why things don't work and then make it final. That's the only thing, but I think this will have a huge impact. Manu, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we see each other next week on our second uh, episode in 2022. Um, let's get this year kicked off and uh, thank you for taking the time again. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you found this session helpful. Head back to our in-depth blog article on five hidden benefits of remote staff hiring. Did we miss something in this conversation? What are you doing to overcome local talent shortages? How can we do better so you'll get more value out of our content? Let us know in the comments and reviews below. We love to read and respond to your comments. And one thing before you leave, hit the subscribe button and give us a thumb up and share the session around with your friends and colleagues so they can take also advantage of this content. Sign up for the free business builder training on fleshup.io and learn more about how to scale with your business at any time, work with global top talents and make work better. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until the next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.